Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. And Tote Plus will be providing you with huge value this weekend as we are ready for the weekend in the company of TalkSport 2's Lee McKenzie. It's only been an hour since I spoke to you, Lee. Emma, it's lovely to be with you again. We are uh, we are doing this sort of thing. Well, I was tempted to say a, a bit too often, but you can't talk about racing often enough, can you? No, you really can't. And a um, lot of fun. Uh, weekdays, TalkSport 2 from 1pm, live coverage of racing and uh, top class coverage as well with brilliant guests too. So uh, great having you on, um, having been on with you for the last two days and uh, on with you again next week on, on TalkSport 2. So looking forward to that. But for now, we're looking ahead to Saturday and we'll start with the 7 furlong tote prestige stakes. Group 3 for Phillies where the betting is headed by Danea. Danea? We go with Danea? Yeah, let's go with yeah, that. Yeah, Danea works for me. Grand. Perfect. The, the important thing with horse names you can't pronounce is say them confidently and everybody else will think they've got it wrong and you've got it right. Denea, four to one. <laughs> <laughs> Hello you, nine to two. Tinderbox, six to one. Uh, uh, Clitheroe, sevens. And uh, Missoncy, eight to one. A horse that I quite like, Wilderness Girl. Who, Jesus Christ, sixteens. Um, for Andrew Balding and Kieran Fallon, 16 to 1 about Wilderness Girl. Uh, your thoughts on the Tote Prestige Stakes, the 150 at Goodwood, live on Racing TV? Yeah, I think you've got a point there about looking down the list here. We've got 11 runners, and you say about Wilderness Girl, and that was a, a big field uh, that she ran in last time out uh, at uh, Goodwood, and uh, she is potentially much better than we've seen so far. So if you were just going to go for the obvious ones there, then much further up the betting, you, you might not even get as far as Wilderness Girl. But look, Andrew Boarding is having a, a terrific season, isn't he? He's even been talked about as a potential champion trainer this year. And I think she could surprise. But I'm going to go here much further up the order. In fact, you can't get any further than I've gone, uh, which is to the favourite. I think Danaea is, I think she's an excellent favourite. In fact, I'm surprised she's not even shorter in the betting uh, than she is. She looked good when she won uh, on her debut at Kempton, and then second time that straight into a a good race at Deauville. And trainers they don't send horses over to Deauville unless they think they're they're pretty smart. I know they're looking for French opportunities uh, these days where the mm. better prize money is, but uh, a Deauville horse is a, is a good horse. So I I think she's. She's clearly better to me than any of the others near the top of the betting. There could be one from further down that we haven't seen the best of yet. But for me, uh, Danaea is a it, she's a, a strong favourite, and I think she'll win. Uh, the thing about Danaea is that she was very impressive at Kempton and showed a, a very smart turn of foot that day. And that run at Deauville was um, was tremendously impressive. She also should improve for the good ground. Mm. Uh, so yeah, because it was on the oh, it was on the slow side at uh, Deauville, wasn't mm. it? As it often is in France, of course, because um, they they do seem to water their tracks over there uh, more like thoroughly that. than we do. They do like doing uh, that. Uh, the the David Simcock horse uh, is by Ribchester. Cost here's a piece of business for you. So somebody bought the horse for forty five thousand pounds as a yearling, and then sold the horse as a two year old for. Five hundred and ninety thousand pounds. Damn, those breeze ups are insane. Uh, she is. This is uh, Clitheroe. Uh, Clitheroe, yeah. Clitheroe, right? So number two, seven to one. 
uh, look, just because she costs that much money doesn't mean that she's going to go and, and win. Uh, the one thing I'd say about her, though, is that her, at least the way she traveled on debut, she traveled very strongly. She was in midfield. Jamie Spencer is booked to ride, so it's going to be a typical Jamie Spencer ride. And he's particularly good on these horses who, who travel really well. But I just kept coming back to Wilderness Girl, who has the course and distance form. Um, like I said, it was a, a big field that she beat that day. Um, I just thought that there would be enough there that that's that's Glorious Goodwood. And you don't tend to run uh, a bad horse at, at Glorious Goodwood. In fact, we covered uh, a Richard Hughes horse who'd run at the Glorious meeting and finished second and, and then won as a long odds on favorite yesterday. And um, he thinks the world of that horse and was disappointed the horse was beaten at Goodwood and just thought it was due to the ground more than anything else. Um, mm. m- my only slight doubt with Wilderness Girl is that she was beaten on debut um, on Good to Firm, but Andrew Balding's horses tend to come on for their debut run, and um, I think she'd be fine on, on Good to Firm ground, especially as a daughter of None Never out of a pivotal mare. She shouldn't have any issue with the ground. and. Yeah, it's lovely ground at Goodwood as well. They've got their own uh, borehole where they keep their own secret supply of water <laughs> straight straight from the clouds, and um, they get the water out of there. And I tell you, if you ever go, ever go to Goodwood, you you will not uh, go there and see like patchy ground, you know, spare tufts of grass growing out of the uh, growing out of the earth. Like I'm not saying that you would see that at any race course, by the way, just in case any clerks of the course. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, You've never seen it at any track. Uh, yeah. uh, but but at Goodwood, it's particularly lush and it's quite long grass as well. It was bit the glorious meeting. It was beautiful just to look at it. You'd have longer than you would have in your back garden. You know, if it, if, if you had that outside your kitchen window, you think it needed a bit of a mow, but you know, <laughs> it just looks so long and lush, not a weed in sight and a lovely cushion for the horses to, to race on. So you won't find a, uh, uh, ground with jar on it uh, at Goodwood, even even in a, a dry summer. I and don't underestimate the 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 value of a course and distance victory either, because it is a tricky track, isn't it? There there are horses that go around there, and there are horses that don't. And I think when you're uh, running around a, a bend at Goodwood as well, you have, you need a very well balanced individual. And uh, I've seen horses go there who have got uh, impressive form on, on flatter, more conventional tracks, and they can't handle. OK, it's not quite as wacky as Epsom um, or, say, Brighton, but then there aren't many like that, are there? But it, it is a test of a horse. And if they've done it before, then for me, that is a big plus. So I, I do like your long shot there. And uh, I think she's um, been severely underestimated here. Mm. Um, I, th- I think to me, this is a this is a tricast race, and um, obviously, if you're going to be doing the play spot, let me give you some very valuable information in a second. But uh, Clitheroe, God, you have to be really careful with that pronunciation. Jesus Christ, uh, Clitheroe, I think is going to run a, a big <laughs> race here. I think she can improve an, an awful lot, particularly with the way she she travels so well and travels so powerfully. Uh, I really like Wilderness Girl, and I quite like your selection as well. Um, uh, Denea, who heads the market, say it with confidence. Denea, uh, <laughs> so four to one, and and to be fair, the fact that Denea is favourite over Hallow You tells you a lot because uh, Hallow You ran a massive race behind Zane Claudette, again a race mm. that we covered on uh, Talksport Two not so long ago. But um, uh, yeah, Denea, uh, Clitheroe, and um, Wilderness Girl uh, would be. It's interesting you mentioned Hallow You there because um, she was uh, also entered for the big auction race. Uh, on the same day at York. That's right. And they they switched her to run in the other race instead, which is obviously a more prestigious race and a harder race, although not as many runners and a much classier race. And uh, so they clearly think uh, a, a lot of her. And she, she'll be a big player, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, having acquitted herself um, uh, pretty well at uh, York last time out, I, I just think that she, in the end, it, she didn't quite show enough for me uh, up against uh, the, the likes of Denea here, who and you say about Denea, um, uh, the the, uh, the the state of the ground, um, and you're talking too about the uh, the the Andrew boarding Philly Wilderness girl as well. Um, I I think that whatever they ran on last time out, I think that uh, Goodwood uh, will suit them because it's going to be a surface for all horses at uh, Goodwood this weekend. I I wouldn't be worried about an after the race saying well that horse didn't win the race because it didn't like the ground. Yeah, I don't think there'd be too many excuses in that regard. Um, and Goodwood, by the way, I would fully echo 
uh, one of the top commentators in the game, Lee McKenzie's view there. If you can get to Goodwood. Now that Britain is open, if you can get to Goodwood, damn, it's one hell of a track. It's just some place to be. It's so beautiful. It's av- it's everything. It, like The fact that it's been built up in my mind for so long, that when I, when I first went there in, in 2018 and then again in, in 2019... I really thought uh, yeah, it's gonna be. It's been so hyped up that it's not gonna live up to expectations. It blew me away. I love it. It's just it's stunning, and the surrounding areas are stunning as well. Um, so Danea, uh, Clitheroe, and uh, Wilderness Girl are on our short list. Uh, Wilderness Girl would be my selection. Danea for um, for Lee, and uh, honorable mention for Clitheroe as well. Who. Could wave goodbye to all of them. Uh, in terms of doing the play spot, if you are, uh, you can do it tonight as we're recording on Friday. You can do the play spot for tomorrow uh, before 11.59 for the following day. And if you do this, then you can get your money back to a maximum of £10 or €10 euro should none of your selections place in the first race, which, of course, is not what we want, Lee. We want one of these horses to win Land the exacta and possibly the trifecta as well for us. Thanks very much. Maybe the quinella. Uh, but if for some reason your selections and you differ from Lee and I uh, don't place, then Tote will refund you to a maximum of £10 or €10 euro, uh, if you bomb out in the first race. Promotion applies to customers. First Tote place pot bet only, and the refund will be credited back to your account within 24 hours. Full terms and conditions are, of course, on the website, which are always super fun to read. I mean, terms and conditions. Who can get enough of them? Uh, the next race that we'll talk about is the Tote Quad Pot Starts Here. Handicap at 2.25. Um, Artis wins. Only question is, so? by how yeah. far? 5-2, to two, buying money, mm. how far? Do you think uh, trainer Clive Cox agrees with you? Because he also has dance fever in this race. He does. A, a with, with Adam Kirby on board. With Adam mm-hmm. Kirby on board from Dance Fever. What, what do you make of jockey bookings there? What's going on there? Is there a reason why they're that way around? I suppose um, Wait. Adam Kirby maybe has uh, connections with Dance Fever's uh, owners. Is it? Is it weight? I think Adam Kirby's low, lowest ah. widening rate in the last 12 months is nine oh. stone. No, yeah. you're right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on. You you sold that. Yeah, Adam Kirby, <laughs> and we've seen Adam Kirby, haven't we? How how skinny and how tall he is. I think he's a fantastic rider, by the way. I really, I was so delighted when he won the the, the Derby because I think um, I cannot stand it when people dismiss jockeys like Adam Kirby as they're being all weather jockeys. You know, it's utterly ridiculous. And the success that he's had with Clive Cox over the years in in top races as well. You know, meetings like um, Royal Ascot. I think he's an extremely good rider. And I, I saw him the other day at, at Windsor, actually. And I hadn't seen him since the derby. And I said, well done, um, Adam. I'm so pleased for you that, that you, you won that race. Because I think he gave it a great ride. Oh, yeah. And he's, you know, he's, he's so modest about it. He's all, thanks very much. You know, as if um, uh, it was kind of almost embarrassing for him to accept the, the, the praise. And, and, and it, it shouldn't be. Because he, he, he got that derby spot on, didn't he? he and he was daring. He, he, he took a chance going for the rail halfway up the home straight and it paid off. Maybe if he'd got stuck behind, <laughs> we wouldn't be having the conversation we are now, but he, he went for it and, and that's all that matters. But the other thing is as well that he'd been jocked off another horse in favor of, was it Frankie again? Mm. Was it another mm. Frankie Dettori story where uh, a jockey gets jocked off in favor of Frankie and um, revenge? Because Tom Marquand finished second in the Derby, didn't he? And uh, Aaron Levine was third for Aiden behind Serpentine. That vintage that's, renewal of the Derby right. that worked out so well <laughs> with with English King <laughs> now now playing his trade down under. Let's <laughs> just forget that one, Joey. Um, I think that this year's Derby was significantly better than oh last god, year's yeah, derby, don't you? Oh yeah, but I got it badly wrong because I thought that Adam Kirby rode the race to perfection and rode them all to sleep. And I was really taken aback when he won the King George and won it as, as easily as he did. I thought, oh, yeah. fr- I've read him badly wrong. So he's he's a, about, he's a special horse. Yeah, the thing about, yes, and that's absolutely right, because, of course, he he beat Mishrith, didn't he? He didn't look bad at York last week, did he? So it it's all right, that horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you could have said that it, at Epsom, uh, that the, the winner liked the softish ground, uh, that he was the one who acted on the track. He got the run of the race up the inside. 
Um, but uh, at Ascot, there was there was no fluke about that, was there? And I, I would say he's a seriously good horse, and he, he he must be a player surely for the for the arc if he goes for it uh, in the autumn, notwithstanding snowfall, of course. Yeah, he can be a good second to snowfall. Yeah. It's all about <laughs> snowfall. <laughs> but you are right about Adam Kirby. Is that um, tall, skinny, great jockey? But he can't do any less than nine stone, and so um, Aratus or um, Aratus uh, eight stone seven. David Egan is your man there. I'm going to go for Dance Fever. Actually, I, I, oh, okay. I, I could actually see a Clive Cox one two here with those. Mm. Um, Escobar, I love Escobar. He's always there, isn't he? Those he mile is. handicaps. He's always there. He's always at the back of the field at halfway, and he always comes charging through at the end, like he did at York last week. But is he one of those that needs one of those enormous? fields of handicappers going off extremely fast and is the, the seven furlongs here at the lower end of his uh, ability if you know what I mean because um, it, it was a mile last week at, uh, at York and it was a mile at Goodwood before that and he just didn't get there in time but a strong pace sets him up nicely for one of his um, charging finishes but is it going to come too late I'd love to see him win but I just don't think he's going to be quite good enough. And I think Clive Cox will have the one-two there. I agree. I completely agree with you. I think Clive Cox has this race by the short and curlies. I believe, I don't think he bred, I think it was Peter Evans bred Escobar, but um, the late great Pat Smullen and uh, his lovely wife Frances purchased the horse at the Goff's November sale for 105000 and sold him for 280000 That's a nice piece of work there. And, um, of course, he knows the stallion, or God rest him, knew the stallion famous name so well, too. So I, I always yes. get a, a bit emotional when I see Escobar. Um, Kimmy Five has switched trainers, hmm. David Bridgewater now, and uh, I see he's been very well supported, too, with Nicola Curry on board. So um, uh, honorable mention for Kimmy Five, because Lucy Russell Hughes has, has talked the horse up on numerous yes. occasions, including last time out when uh was 66 to 1 and backed into 40s behind uh, Danya. Uh, thankfully, I put up Danya on the podcast that day. <coughs> just, just you know, just pointing that out there. You mean Emmett Kennedy put that horse up? Indeed, when it did so well. Indeed, that day. indeed, yeah. yes, that's right. That's right, Lee. Just, yes. yeah, and just Emmett Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, all right. That, the that final was... furlong <laughs> podcast maestro. Uh, by the way, thank you all for the support on Apple Podcasts. That was insane. That is bonkers. Um, and. Uh, you're legends, each and every one of you. You're absolute legends. Uh, I'm with Artis, for this word, but I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a Clive Cox one too, um, and Dan's fever should be taken very seriously. But I think Artis is the is the one to be with there. The three o'clock is the Tote March Stakes Group Three in memory of John Dunlop. Um, Roger Varian has the favourite, and it's an odds-on favourite in Nagano with David Egan mm. on board, eight to eleven, uh, Dancing King from Mark Johnston and Joe Fanning, seven to two. Uh, classic Lord for Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding is sixes from twelves. Uh, and uh, we've got two outsiders then, Frankie DeTori, writing for Kevin Cromwell, who had a treble the other day uh, in Ireland and is uh, in tremendous form. White Pepper being the outsider of the field. So interesting that Gavin is sending over um, a horse who won last time out. Uh, what was your take on the, the three o'clock, the tote right. march stakes? Well, Nagano has been in very good form um, just lately, hasn't he? And in fact, he would have won four in a row uh, had he succeeded at, uh, at Ascot. And actually, if you look at that Ascot race again, it was a, a handicap race. He was completely carved up in the home straight. He was actually staying on. I, I wouldn't say he was showing a blistering late turn of foot, but he, he, I think he would have been in the places. And he was squeezed on both sides and crushed. <laughs> and... Mm. As a result, he could only finish sixth, but he wasn't far off the, the winner of that race that day. So even in defeat, he was quite impressive at uh, Ascot. But I'm not going to get any plaudits, am I, for, for tipping what is potentially an odds-on favourite here. I thoroughly understand his chance there. Dancing King is, is very exposed, but certainly not out of it. So in terms of racings, he's more or less the same as Nagano. But there is one horse in here I think is very interesting, and that is Juan... De Montalban. Beautiful um, pronunciation. Who, <laughs> yes, I mean, Beautiful. 
been practicing that all afternoon um dual except when we were on the air during um during the talk sport program racing live by the way because that would have sounded utterly ridiculous wouldn't it for you know, the the band. Yeah. <laughs> just, just randomly um, saying it he was with andrew balding and then he went to italy and he actually finished second in the italian derby last time and i know that italian racing is not what it used to be because we, we uh, used to send runners didn't we over from britain and ireland to uh, to, mm. to run in the italian derby and used to think we'd done pretty well if uh, we succeeded or placed there uh, italian racing has been going through the doldrums a bit in recent times it's, it's still going but the italian derby doesn't compare to the irish derby or the or the derby at epsom but it wasn't a bad run now he's, he's see he was only with the trainer for for one run and now he's come back to britain and he's with david o'mara and I think it's fascinating that he's taking him down this potential St. Ledger trial type route here. Mm. He must have been doing something at home, mustn't he? And on official ratings, again, he's he's the same. He's rated about 100, same as Dancing King and Nagano. So he might be overpriced. Uh, I don't think David O'Mara would have a pitch into a race like this, uh, a Group 3, which is a known St. Ledger trial, if he didn't think that the horse would run a good race. So although, yes, I get Nagano completely, but I'm intrigued by Juan de Montalban and or Montalban. And we'll have to see, see, see having, having said I've mastered the pronunciation, I'm now pronouncing it in two completely different ways. Um, but, uh, my, we'll that, that, that's because goes. you're hanging out with me too much, mate. You're, you're getting affected <laughs> by my, by my uh, pronunciation uh, mix-ups. But uh, no, I think that's a, a great shout. And uh, the best price that I can get you about uh, Nagano is 10 to 11. I'm... I'm inclined to think that he can step up and grade no problem. Um, the issue, I suppose, comes with whether or not you want to trust him over this trip. And Mark Johnson's won this race for the last two years, and he's won it with Saron Priestley, who, unfortunately, we're never going to see again. He has to be retired. And a subjectivist, who, unfortunately, we're never going to see again, has to be retired as well, as far as I know. Uh, but Dancing King, you, you made a great point. There's nothing between him and Nagano. There's officially a one-pound difference between the two. Uh, Joe Fanning is back on board. Uh, you're in a fine race at uh, Chester last time out. He was not far behind Yabir, who's backed that form up uh, at York. And um, I liked him for this. I thought that he was very interesting. And he, he rattled off a, a hat-trick of wins. Um, being a typical... Typical Mark Johnston horse. He's been kept busy all season. But I, I thought mm. as the seven to two second favorite in a race where there is no each way betting, I thought he was solid enough that, that you could you could back him and just take a chance. But um, I'm not going to put anybody off Nagano. I think your selection is fascinating, particularly the fact that he went for one run in Italy, transfer trainer, um, and is now with David O'Mara. You know, didn't come back to Tendra Balding. You know, what that's all about. Well, well, I'm thinking, was there something in that run in the Italian Derby that made the connections think this horse is actually pretty good and we're not mm. going to hang around in Italy trying to win races. We're going to go uh, back to, to Britain and send him to... It's interesting he didn't go back to Andrew Balding, isn't it? He's gone to David David O'Mara, so clearly there, there was some transfer of power in there somewhere or the other, but I'm, I suspect that he has been showing a bit, and I think he might go a bit under the radar. On um, uh, your horse there, Dancing King, I'm seeing Joe Fanning and Mark Johnson, Goodwood, as we know, Mark Johnson loves having winners at uh, Goodwood, and he, you know, he comes down for for the uh, glorious meeting the Qatar festival every year and often runs horses twice in the space of a week um because he you, you can tell he he adores the track and he loves having winners there but joe fanning front running jockey mm -hmm. i can see joe bouncing his horse out trying to lead all the way twisting around the downs still in front coming around down that final bend and we know joe is really hard to pass isn't he he, he just gets the fractions right every single time and so uh, and I love watching Joe riding because he's never particularly animated. He he pushes gently, he gets the he coaxes coaxes the horses into going faster without uh, you know, having to flail his whip all over the place. And I think he's a magic rider to watch. And and when he's in front, and I think he and Goodwood go together particularly well. And of course, because of that turn down the hill into the straight at Goodwood, if anybody tries to get past him, they're forced, aren't they, out wider on that turn. 
Mm. And I know many years ago, somebody said to me about uh, horses that were in front at Goodwood on that bend, um, that the, the home straight at Goodwood is ever so slightly curved. It's not like uh, Windsor, for example, a proper dog leg, or the Curra, for example, the proper dog leg. But it's very hard to get past a front runner on the rails if the jockey has judged it right. And if Joe can do that tomorrow, uh, I think it could be very interesting for Dancing King, especially on his trainer's uh, favourite race course. And bouncing out of stall three as well, and he's... He's led. Yep. He has raced freely in the past, which would, which would um, worry me. He was slowly into stride behind Kamari, but he, yeah, I, I suspect that they'll revert to to making all, particularly in this small field. Uh, I have an explanation, by the way, as to why this horse is not with Andrew Balding anymore. It's because he mm-hmm. sold him for four hundred thousand euro. Ah, cash well, money. There you go. Cash there money. There you go. <laughs> so, so that explains everything doesn't it um so he's done all right hasn't he the the original connections have done okay regardless of what happens to him after this well but, what's, um, what's interesting is that uh Lu- luigi Rivada, he bought him i presume with the intention of running him in the italian derby which he then did and then subsequently sold him to sheikh abdullah almak al aspa i hope that i have not insulted your entire family sir um, with that pronunciation, and he's now bought him and sent him to David Amara. So, yeah. Um, int- Whatever, he's he's a good horse. He did well with Andrew Boarding, and he, you can't really knock second in the Italian derby, can you, even though it's not no. quite the same level as the, the Irish or the British. Um, it, I never know what to call the derby at Epsom, because if you, if you say the Epsom derby, people say, it's not the Epsom derby. How dare you, derby. sir? How dare so you? Ascot Gold Cup. You, know, you can't <laughs> you say that. It's not the Ascot, it's the Gold Cup. What I actually, <laughs> I actually had a, a gentleman uh, come up to me from Ascot and say, um, "Excuse me, sir. Um, when you are referring to the feature race of the week, would you mind referring to it, please, as the Gold Cup? You are permitted to say the Gold Cup at Ascot, but do not refer to it as the Ascot Gold Cup. It's simply not right, mm. and wouldn't be People right for can the be very sensitive for the, about for the ITV viewers. I don't know if this guy actually worked for for Ascot or not, but like he was taking it deadly seriously. Um, so I just went, okay, thanks very much. And and my director was uh, was watching all this and obviously was keeping an eye on everything else. I mean, he was like, you're right there. It was like, some guy politely bollocked me, I think. And he just burst out, <laughs> he just burst out laughing. Um, this uh, owner, by the way, his the vast majority of his horses are in training with Richard Fahey. So interesting that he sent the horse to, to David. David O'Mara, the future, the future master of belly oil, according to the great scooper. Claude Duval, his last great yes. scoop. He's going to be the master of Bally Doyle. Nope. Um, so dancing I'm still King... waiting for that one. Yes. It, it may come true one day, but uh, I think the chance of that is receding. Quite uh, I think Dunica is in line for that job. Thanks for him. <laughs> I think that's pretty much a done deal. Uh, right. Mark Johnston for me with Dancing King, uh, Roger Varian and Nagano. Um, for uh, for Lee, um, which yeah. brings us to Nagano the... for me, but with one eye on Juan de Montalban. Oh, of course, of course. Apologies, one eye, one eye on him. One Apologies. eye on him. And I and I would be tempted to to you know if he were around. Let's the take on the favorite. The yeah. Let's go take on. on the favorite. Go Juan, on. it is. Yeah. Juan, go drop him. Juan. Go Leave him out of your play spot. Go, go for it. Uh, the celebration mile. So Side Ben Soror was talking to RTV today, and he said that Ben Battle will definitely come on for the run. The plan with Ben Battle, um, who you'll remember was sent to stud, uh, he's still a full horse. Um, didn't quite work out for him in the old. Uh, Mm. getting it up with the ladies thing in the old yeah yeah the, so the uh, undercarriage department yeah so uh, but the, the option is still there he's still a full horse you know he might very well return uh, so Oshin Murphy has been booked by Sidebins where they've built up a very nice partnership together and um, but Said was at pains to stress that he will improve for this run he might not have to though um, be interesting to see what you you think of this race. Uh, Parato, I thought was was interesting for Marcus Dragoning and Kieran Fallon. Um, the 18s that was available a couple of weeks ago gone. Sevens now. Uh, second favorite is Chindit for Richard Hannon. There were high hopes for him at the start of the season. He does have uh, decent form to his name with Palace Pier and Poetic Flair. To to be fair, um, yeah, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the Charlie Hills Jim Curly horse. Uh, <laughs> Mustapek. 
There we go. That'll do. Uh, What's the one? And uh, and Prado. So it's it's Prado for me. I think I think I'm probably going to side with the the new bay uh, from Marcus Treganing and uh, and Kieran Fallon. But what about yourself, Lee? Yeah, he's slightly disappointed me since he he won at Ascot. But I I do think that he's better than he's looked in his last couple of weeks. He's been okay, mm. um, but I was expecting a, a, a little bit more because that, that Britannia is such a competitive race, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's one of the few races I've ever commentated on in the past where I was absolutely petrified <laughs> of, <laughs> of commentating. The, the only other race I can say that has scared me in the past but doesn't anymore is the Prix de la Baie at Longchamp because um, oh, well, God. if you ever go to the course, you'll know that it finishes somewhere over near the Eiffel Tower, which it's is unreal. not that yeah it, it's it's seriously weird but the britannia is another one i've come to terms with it now and i'm all right on the britannia now and and the pre labe but when i first commentated on the britannia i know it terrified me and a big, it's such a competitive race with potential improvers in it i do expect the the, the winner and the place horses to actually turn out to be quite good but yeah so i think perotto would have a, a chance i think he has to make that next step up though Ben Battle, I think there are question marks about him now. Uh, he's seven years old. hes I don't think he's needed a run in the past to, to bring him on because uh, he has run pretty well when fresh. And at his best, he may probably have won this. However, I do think Chindit is a very interesting runner here. They've kept him at a very high level, haven't they? He won the Greenham at Newbury. And then he's been running in, in a Group 1 company. And he's been running very well in it as well. He's not been beaten far. And I think he's just been lowered a bit here to a group two. And I don't think this is the best running of the Celebration Mile that I've ever seen either. So I think it's quite winnable for, for a genuine group one horse to come in here. And, uh, and against Ben Battle, against whom there are a few issues, as you say, he's coming back to racing now. Uh, he is, I think, a, a genuine group two horse. So he's happy at this kind of level but i think chindit although he's not quite made it at group one level he has held his own very well so i'm i'm going to go for chindit to to beat ben battle who's who has been a a, a wonderful horse through the ages and maybe there's still a bit more to come from him but i i'm going to go for chindit i think this is an ideal opportunity for him yeah he he is a proper group one performer ben battle but of course he has to carry the group one penalty he's carrying nine stone four mm. everything else is carrying um, well, the others are three-year-olds, so there's that. So they're carrying eight stone twelve, um, whereas Happy Power, for example, as a five-year-old, is carrying nine stone four. So it's more the age thing. Uh, the other horse that that interested me and was on my list was um, Duke of Hazard uh, for James Doyle and and Paul and Oliver Cole, and I thought he could be an interesting each-way play here. Sybens um, Roar has a, a decent line into the form here with the fact that he. Uh, he won only was it a week ago with uh, Real World, who's a horse I think mm. is very much on the up and uh, a horse I'm very excited about. And Duke of Hazard ran a fine race that day to be third. Um, and I, I thought he might be a horse that if you wanted to go for an each way option in, in the race with um, one, two, three, uh, he could be the, the one. Uh, Duke of Hazard. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I, I think so because he, he runs against some extremely good horses, doesn't he? If you mm. look back through his form, he, he's often running what you, you might think it was slightly out of his depth. And then he goes and runs third or maybe fourth, but the third would be good enough, wouldn't it? And he's the kind of horse I could say, you know, you get those horses where they're not really each way horses, they're more place horses. Yes. Where because with an each way horse, you've really got to think that it has a genuine chance of winning. But there are some where you think, no, it probably won't win. Uh, but I do think it's got a very good chance of being second or in, in this case, say third, because I think that's probably all he can hope for. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't put you off him as a as a horse to get into the first three, because it, it seems to me that no matter what company he runs in, he's always got the, the potential to finish third. So a uh, good old Duke of Hazard. We, we, we love him, don't we? He probably finished third in, you know, whatever race you ran him in, you could run him, you could drop him several grades and he'd still be third. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You could, you could drop him into horses. a class five at Lingfield third. Yeah. And he'd still be third. Yeah. Not, not a, <laughs> um, not a bother. Um, no. So I, I think Parada was still my main selection. Um, but I, I would give Duke of Hazard some consideration as well. And I hope that uh, Marcus Trigoning and Kieran Fallon can bring about the necessary improvement with him. Uh, this brings us to Beverly, my man, and uh, an old favorite of the Final Furlong podcast, heads the market, uh, Judicial, who, of course, loves this race. Uh, so this is the William Hill 
Beverly Bullet Sprint Stakes, the listed race uh, for the Speedsters. And um, it's going to be a fascinating renewal. Um, Judicial has uh, the market collared. He's won this race back in 2019. Um, I think he ran a fine race in it last year as well, if my memory serves me correctly. Maybe it's failing me. I'm not entirely certain. Uh, but he has run at Beverly uh, already this season, finishing third back in the 15th of June. And last time out was back in the winner's enclosure at Chester. Um, Callum Rodriguez for Julie Camacho, 4-1. Uh, to one. Dakota Gold is 5's Hurricane Ivor. Uh, another bit of a favourite on the Final Forum podcast for William Haggis and Tom Marquand. 13-2 uh, and Tis Marvelous for Clive Cox and Paul Hannigan is sevens. Uh, so three-year-olds are not from 14 in the in the Beverly Bullet. So we can knock out any three-year-olds. So significantly, you're gone. Um, and, mm. uh, and any others, there's uh, Dandala. Bye-bye. Show yourself. Bye-bye. Um, but what about Lee McKenzie? Mm. Who have you, I, you who know, have you picked? You know, a thing about statistics is that they're always there to be broken in the end, True. aren't they? True. And I wonder whether significantly might be the horse to do this. You're back in significantly. Uh, uh, well, he's drawn three. I do like a horse on the curve at Beverly near the inside. And the fact that he's a front runner means that he'll stay out of trouble. Because you know, Beverly, because that is curved all the way, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I, I think this is going to be potentially an issue with Dakota Gold, who I think really is probably taking everything into account, the, the best horse in the race, but he's drawn very wide. Um, and significantly up in front, out of trouble, Dakota Gold will either have to wriggle his way through the pack or, or stay wide all the way, which is not, not a help in a, a sprint race. Um, but there's often congestion at Beverly, isn't there, because of that curve and horses get behind and then they try to switch out or try to manoeuvre in behind the other horses in front of them. And I think significantly for me, he's he's got pole position here and he's he's not far off the inside rail. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick Maneka and say that that sequence uh, could be broken uh, in this year's Beverly Bullet. And significantly, I think it's a decent sort of price for me. And um, I just think there's some of the other horses in there. Um, they're good, you know, judicial, you mentioned Dakota Gold, maybe an issue with the draw, tis marvellous, I think he'll run his race, Hurricane Ivor, he's very wide, mm. I think there are, are potential issues about all the others, uh, but of course, as we know, in a five furlong sprint, even a listed one, rather than a, a notorious sprint handicap, is um, it's all going to depend on who gets the breaks, but I, I think significantly he won't need those, because he'll be up in front, and, um, and uh, hopefully he won't see another horse at any stage during the race. I have to ask you then about uh, another Final Fallen Podcast favourite, which is just another bottle. So this horse was... Mm. Oh, I'm trying to think. Was he 50s when Rory put him up? And he became a another Final Fallen Podcast monstrous gamble. Um, the idea that Rory had with this horse was that if they applied... Uh, blinker, if, the, if the first time application of blinkers worked for him, he was his specific instructions were this is not an each way bet he is a win bet only because he's either he's either going to win this or he's going to bomb entirely and he just burst out of the stalls made all and nothing got near him and he's coming out of stall 1 mm. and kevin stock could basically repeat those tactics here in a, a field size of of 12 uh, he is on good to firm which it was good ground at, at ripon um and he's 12s. Is he a horse that you would trust to back up that form and possibly, just given the fact that he's coming out of stall one, could he burst out and, and make all and just be a little bit too hard to, to peg back? He's certainly got the, the, the ideal draw, hasn't he? And, and of course, having mentioned significantly, there's a possibility that those two might end up running one another into the ground. Although, uh, the way just another bottle won at uh, Ripper, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? That's one of the most competitive... Uh, handicap sprints of the season and nothing looked like overhauling him from from start to finish and and yeah the, the blinkers seem to transform I, I they're, they're classier opponents because these they're just a little step up from those sort of typical saturday afternoon handicappers although you know the greats at wilfred is a, a cracking good race every year and if he goes off in front as far as he did there uh, it's quite possible that not, nothing will get near him 
Um, I, and also that my selection significantly, I, I said I hoped he'd never see another horse from start to finish. He might actually see another horse's rear end uh, and it could be just another bottles disappearing uh, over the horizon um, as significantly takes an honourable second place. Um, but yeah, every reason. I don't think there's any problem too in sprinting with horses bridging that gap between good handicaps and going up uh, a little step up the ladder. I mean, this is a listed race, um, but even into group threes and group twos, we've seen horses, haven't we? Um, sprinters doing that time and time again over the years, but I think it's harder for for horses over longer distances. So yes, he, he could do it. it. It is a case of whether the blinkers will work again, but um, at uh, that, the price you mentioned, did you say 11 to one? Yeah, it's, it's a gamble, he's, he's that you, you know, if, you, if you're on him at Ripon, it's a, it's a gamble at that kind of price that you might be prepared to take because until you've seen how he's gonna run um, at uh, Beverly, we, we just don't know. But if he does it again, you'd be kicking yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah. Especially if you backed him at Ripon last time. Yeah, and the point you make about the difference between handicaps and listed, even group three company and sprinters. Uh, sprinters at group one level keep beating one another. Um, there's very little difference between the class of a sprinter at, at a high class handicap level where you're on a rating of 96 and listed in Group 3 company. And th there's no reason why you can't back it up. Um, I don't think they would put him in here on the back of two weeks unless they thought he was capable of running a, a massive race. He's obviously been incredibly frustrating in the past. And it's entirely possible he sulks. It's entirely possible he just goes, nah, I've done it. And, um, and your horse significantly doesn't see another rival because just another bottle just goes can't be bothered today mm. um but ju judicial is probably my selection um in, in fact he is yeah let's just nail that down i'll go with judicial uh to win this race for the second time and it's significantly for uh for lee mckenzie we have one more race to come um, on uh, the Final Furlong podcast. Uh, before we do, we should tell you that there is live streaming available without even having to place a bet at tote.co.uk. Uh, all you have to do is just deposit money. So if you've already deposited money into your account, then you can watch as much racing as you want from the UK and Ireland for free on tote.co.uk. So if you don't have a subscription to Sky or to Racing TV, don't worry. Tote's got you covered. You can watch all the racing you want. Um, don't have to place a bet. Just have deposited into your account, and there you go. You can watch as much racing as you want. Uh, also, with Tote Plus, you are given a 10% bonus on top of the standard Tote dividend. It is an insane offer. They are giving you free money, 10% bigger than the standard tote dividend. It is available only online at tote.co.uk, tote.ie, and the official tote app. Get it now. Get the gravy as we approach our final race. And uh, this one is taking us to Newmarket. It is the Close Brothers. They are good friends at... Um, at Cheltenham, uh, Close at Brothers, Cheltenham, indeed, yeah. Close Brothers extended an invitation to us to, to go to their um, go into their uh, VIP box at um, at Cheltenham uh, one year, and unfortunately, I was working and uh, with you actually, and couldn't uh, couldn't take them up on the offer. But thank you very much, and uh, great to see them sponsoring the flat as well. So Close Brothers, hopeful stakes. It's a listed race, two forty five at Newmarket, uh, again live on Racing TV. The official going is good to firm, and the stalls are on the far side. Uh, each way terms are one, two, three. Um, Summer Gand is in here. We've got a very short price favorite in. Tabdeed for Own Burrows, uh, who's in tremendous form, according to Racing Post ratings, 100% runners to form um, is his current standing. Uh, and this horse is 15 to 8 with most firms. Godolphin and uh, William Buick, uh, Charlie Appleby, they've got Royal Crusade at 11 to 2, Chief of Chiefs for Charlie Fellows and Haley Turner is Sevens and Haley Turner currently leading the way in the Racing League, which you can hear live coverage of on TalkSport 2 on Thursday evenings in the company of Lizzie Kelly, uh, who is a team manager, and the TalkSport team manager, Rupert Bell. Because we all know that Alan Brazil ain't done nothing. It's Rupert's done all the work. And literally, his commentary the other night was, My job is safe! <laughs> yes! 
so. that was after the team talk sport horse won the last race wasn't it yeah because um, you know, i think until then um lizzie had been um given plenty of opportunities to take the mick out of him about the she, way the talk sport horses were running she said and i quote your time is done old man <laughs> uh, uh, rupert got his revenge later on oh he indeed, got her uh, again in this week's racing league as well because uh, lizzie's team is slipping down the table fast yeah uh, let's not even mention team ireland by the way just like uh, fire everybody involved with team ireland it's a Absolute leaving disgrace. It leaving it late. No, uh, it's just a pathetic. It's like, if you're gonna do it, do it. Like you know, come on. Why the hell are we second last? You said you said to me today on air. You know, there's the potential that you'll finish last. There's not the potential. We will finish last. Ireland are going to second last at the moment. You're being far too pessimistic, uh, Emmett. Oh, they're, they're second brutal. last at the moment. They could finish third last <laughs> or fourth last. <laughs> But it's hardly worth Yay! a street party, is it? Eternal After you won the Grand National, every single race at Cheltenham, <laughs> half of the classics, you probably were expecting a little bit better. <sighs> yeah, just a little bit, mate. Just a little bit. Anyway, is Tab Deed a horse that we should be with or is he a horse that we should be taking on? I'd be with him. I think sometimes um, it's possible to overcomplicate a race. I think he's the best horse in this contest here. He's slightly down in grade and I think he's got... Although his, his winning record is not great, is it? When you look at it, you know, he, he wins every now and then, but not as often as you might think for a horse of his ability. But I, I think he will win. I'll tell you the one that I, um, another one that I am interested in, though, mm-hmm. although it's probably not quite his kind of race, and that's Summer Gand. Ah. Never know whether you should pronounce the G or not. Um, there's a, there's been a big debate about this on the podcast in the past, but we'll mm-hmm. go with whatever you want to go with. Okay, Summer Hand. There we go. And. Uh, I tipped him up on here for the uh, Stewart's Cup last time. Yeah. And because that's exactly his kind of race, isn't it? That Mawoki and these, these sorts of races, massive fields. And then he can begin his charge through in the closing stages. And and this year, it, yeah, on paper, it looks disappointing because um, he, he was out of the place, well out of the places. But if you look at that race again, he was just starting to run on from a long way back and he ran straight into trouble uh, about a furlong from home and couldn't sustain his run after that and i i do think that if the gaps had appeared at the right time he would have well he would have finished much closer i'm not saying he would have won uh, but uh, I, I think he he might have been in the first five or six and who knows five or six could be the first two or three and if things go right he has got a big finish in him as we know um, who knows what might happen but i'm not using that as an excuse for defeat but he was unlucky at uh, goodwood in terms of placing um but i think tab deed is going to be the one for me here i do remember summergand early in the year he beat oxted yeah he did i was just going to say <laughs> on the king's stand didn't he this mm. year at ascot and he, uh, and he he'd won the uh, jubilee race at ascot the previous year so he's um you know he's uh i know he won the july cup didn't he and um, yeah, the july he, cup. um yeah july cup so oh, he's, it was he's ju- wasn't it the july cup last year and he won the it was King like, stand that's this year. right yeah that's right that, that that's and that, starman exactly took the july right. cup this year yes that's right you have got a good memory haven't you uh, so sometimes I think, I, sometimes um, it can kick in <laughs> and um so he, he is a genuine group one horse mm. and i don't think he was at his best when summergan beat him at uh at newmarket earlier in the year but that was a hot sprint emirati what's it called um anna um is, yeah. is a fast sprinter he was third in that race and um, Summergan actually managed to, to beat both of those. So although I say he's the kind of horse who does really well in massive 30-runner sprints, handicap sprints, I think he showed himself in that race at Newmarket to, to be capable of a, a different type of performance. And I have seen him run extremely well under big weights, even on the, um, on the all-weather. So uh, I, I wouldn't underestimate him. He, he could be very interesting at a good price. I'm going to go with Tad Deed, the obvious favourite, I think the best horse in the race. But Sanagan, I'd, I'd love to see him uh, win, uh, if only because I think he didn't get the chance to show what he can do at Goodwood last time. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement with you, actually. I think that the, the biggest danger to Tad Deed is Summer Jihand, Summer Gand, uh, Summer Hand, whatever you want to go with. It's entirely up to you. And you are right, he does thrive in big fields, but he's also won and run very, very well in fields like this. This is a field of 10. So he has nine in, in opposition to him. Um, and that run at, at Linkfield, where he was taking on 12 runners, uh, beating Oxted, he took on seven last year. 
Uh, he showed some very smart form, uh, got into the winner's enclosure when he beat Kimmy Five uh, at Goodwood, uh, famously tipped up by Tom Bull on this very show at 22 to 1. Um, Tom uh, has that on his LinkedIn. Uh, it was it was so good. <laughs> and um, he, he beat uh, the famous George Bone as well in a small field. Um, <laughs> so he's... He's a very talented horse on his day when things fall right. The problem for him is that he's potentially taking on a, a really top-class horse here. But then again, the, the price is starting to, to go each time with, with Tab Deed. So it depends on, on what you want to do. You know, Do you want to take the 15 to 8 and hope that that holds or gets bigger um, and that you can take advantage with, with Tote Plus or you know whatever sportsbook is actually giving you guaranteed prices or do you want to go with uh, something each way in which case summer gand is very hard to knock out of the first three i'd i'd find it extremely difficult to see a scenario where summer gand is not placed so if, if we're doing something like an each way lucky 63 to send us to dubai then summer gand is probably the one i'd, I'd put in but i think tab deed is the horse that's going to take all the beat so i think we um almost completely agrees on on that race there didn't we which uh, is a remarkable thing we we did um, you know we, we did um every now uh, and again uh there, there can be agreement lucy and i had, had agreement on a race as well and, and she made a point of saying you know we don't always agree on, on races but when we do it sometimes works out and it did work out uh thankfully uh what is your nap for final foreign podcast listeners good sir i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for chindit in the um the 3.35 at Goodwood, the celebration mile. If Ben Bassel needs a run, good horse though he is, if he needs a run, and Chindit has been running extremely well in Group 1 level, I think tomorrow's race is absolutely perfect for him. So Chindit uh, to win for Pat Dobson, Richard Hammond. It's Aratus for me in the 2.25. The tote quad pot starts here. Handicap 2.25 at Goodwood. Uh, I was overly bullish about him uh, at Newbury. I think my line to Rory was... How far does he win by? Which is why my line to you was, how far does he win by? Um, so I, I think he'll win with uh, David Egan um, on board for uh, for the weight. And I think that you've made a, a great shout with um, uh, Chindit as well. I have to possibly reappraise that race because the more I look at Chindit, four and a half lengths off Puttick Flair, five and a half lengths off Puttick Flair, three lengths off Palace Pier. Hmm. Yeah. They're not bad, those horses, are they? They're all right. <laughs> They're okay. <laughs> that was the, the basis on which I've gone for him, because although he's clearly not up to the same standard as Palace Pierre and, and Poetic Flair, but the fact is he was considered good enough to run against them, and he wasn't beaten that far. No. And I don't think it's a great celebration mile either. No, it's not. It, it certainly isn't. And, and Said Ben Side Ben is one of the trainers I've, I find to be, uh, along with John Gosden and Aidan O'Brien, to be the most open with the media. And... Um, I remember him, he had two runners in the um, the UAE 1000 Guineas trial, and one was odds on. And I remember him saying, no, 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 it's the other filly we really like. We think she's a superstar. She's working like a, a monster. And she bolted up. The odds on favorite was well beaten. And, and his the, his second string that he told everyone, this is we think this horse is a superstar, she went on and won. And I think she went on to win the UAE 1000 Guineas itself as well. Um, and for him to come out and say, look, he's going to improve for this. He's, he's not telling you the horse isn't going to win. But when he when he says something like that, it just means that he's going to be vulnerable. And the three-year-old division are a very classy division this year. It's a very, very classy division. So um, Chindit has been keeping good company. This is a drop in grade for him. And um, I'm sure that Richard Hannon is anxious to get him back into the winner's enclosure. And by Wooden Bassett, you just know that Coolmore are going to have the tweet ready. Standing now at Coolmore Stud, Wooden Bassett, send your mare to us now after we paid however many millions to acquire him from the French last year. Uh, that is it. Uh, you're back on TalkSport 2 on Monday afternoon, my man. Uh, yeah. In fact, um, next week, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we've got some jumping at uh, Utoxter and Sedgefield, and then you'll be joining me at... Uh, Ask it, won't you, on Friday on TalkSport 2 uh, next week. So looking forward to having you back on then, uh, Emmett. Excellent. Looking forward to that as well, my friend. Should be a lot of fun. And um, we'll have, I'm sure we'll have plenty to discuss. 
there's um there's a few hot topics knocking around so i'm sure we'll have plenty to to get stuck into and uh yeah i'm looking forward to that no it's it's a really good show and um i highly recommend it it starts at 1 p.m talksport 2 very easy to listen to just go to my twitter at radio emmet you'll see links to it and uh lee does a, a brilliant job uh, occasionally i present um simon holt has been on with us lucy's been on with us um and uh, some star name guests as well aiden o'brien john gosden um, all the big guests on TalkSport 2 so check it out um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week as Lee said from 1pm and I will be joining Lee on the Friday until then uh, Rory is back with us uh, next week Mike Cattermole is here with us on Monday as we review the weekend's action and we'll also be getting involved in some of the hot topics in racing as well and getting Mike's thoughts on uh, the future of racing, some of the significant changes that have been introduced by the BHA, and crowds. Are we ever going to have crowds back in Ireland? My God! Oh, it's so frustrating! Jesus Christ! We just want to go to the Irish Champion Stakes. 40,000 people can rock up to the Crow Park, but oh no, you can't have 5,000 people on luscious land and vast, expansive spaces at Leopardstown in the Curra. No, you can't do that. Why? Because people dared not to wear face masks and hugged each other after Limerick won three in a row in the All-Ireland. Have I gone a bit mad? Maybe. Maybe I have. But it's also because I'm incredibly bloody frustrated and fed up with this whole thing. And for those of you who are thinking, but COVID, yes, I take it seriously. I'm double jabbed. I have the digital vaccination cert. I take it incredibly seriously. I think those people should have worn face masks. I think the GAA have responsibility to uh, enforce um, rules on uh, on fans. They didn't do it. But that's not Irish Racing's fault, and we shouldn't be punished for it. But we are! Ugh. And with that bombshell, we're done, it Lee. It was great last week, by the way, Emma. It was great last week at York with 20,000 people oh, there every stop day. stop it! Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I've just made it worse, haven't I? Uh, sorry. Lucy coming on Talk Sport, and the first thing she said was, "I was so emotional yesterday. You know, when when um when Stradivari when Mishrif Mishrif came into the winners' enclosure, I just I just felt so emotional. I'm like, oh my god, just because you had a large crowd there and you get to be on the race course, and meanwhile we in Ireland are stuck, stuck in our homes. I tell you, ah, madness." <laughs> <laughs> You're I'd feeling emotional, Emmett, but just in a slightly different kind of way. <laughs> feeling feeling emotional about this government. I'm about to go absolutely bananas. Uh, yeah, and by the way, I would like to, to stress that this is not HRI's fault. This is out of their hands. Um, you could make an argument that they could campaign a little bit stronger, but it's the government. The government are, are the ones who are implementing this. They're the ones who are doing this. And um, I have friends who... Uh, are relate their brothers and sisters are going into college for the first time. They're going to first year of college, and they're being told that they actually are going in. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. But anyway, that's Ireland for you. Meanwhile, in the UK, thousands of fans attending football and going to the races and having a great time. You know, they actually showed on Sky today a couple of blokes hugging, uh, strolling along with pints in their hand. And I was like, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Irish. You know, if um, it's there's a there's a old saying in, in Ireland, if an American walks past a massive house, a big mansion, the American is most likely to say, wow, now someday I'm going to live in a house like that. If an Irish person walks past a mansion I'm most likely to say fucking bastard <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell we're done uh, Lee McKenzie pleasure as always my friend thank you so so much for your company and uh, expert yes. insight as well looking forward to landing the lucky 63 and uh, getting all that gravy yeah ditto ditto all those things that Emmett and it's been lovely being on the program again and um, uh, this we have got inspiration on the on the talk sport too uh, since we started covering the racing uh, back in 2016 from the final furlong podcast so your influence goes uh, into areas that you could only have dreamt about and uh, believe me uh, you are doing a great job uh, the podcast is doing a great job and uh, you are helping to create uh, 
ideas amongst broadcasters uh, all over the rest of the world. So well done. That is an incredibly kind compliment, and the PayPal is on the way to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> Mike Adamoff joins us Monday. You can hear myself and Lee together on Friday on TalkSport 2, and Rory is back on Thursday. Uh, Lucy here on Monday week. We'll chat to you very soon. Enjoy the weekend's racing, whether you can go or not. Just enjoy it. Take care. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Toast. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Toast Plus at toast.co.uk. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.